Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. All right. Well, today as we head into a new year, I want to share a couple thoughts from Scripture. I think it's the greatest place to start, it's the greatest place to end, and it's the greatest influence on our life all the way in between as, uh, as we learn more of what the Lord is saying and have our hearts changed to think a little more like God and to care about things a little more like God does, whether you have rigid resolutions or not, I hope that it is our goal this year to become a closer version of who God has called us to be. Are you at least with me on that? Yeah? Awesome. Well, today I want to share a message with you entitled, Psst. If you're taking notes, you can just write that down. Psst. Psst. Every family kind of has their own little version of Psst. The, the, the call in a crowded room where you're maybe doing something a little wrong and your parents are trying to get your attention to make sure that you know that they see what you're doing. Or that little sound that you make perhaps to your, your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend to indicate, hey, uh, it's time to go. Do you notice how every relationship has a, a, a talker and a rester? Like someone's like, I, I think going home now and resting would be great. And meanwhile, the other one's talking. And so there's just you know a little code developed between loved ones to make sure that some attention is had. Psst. I don't know when you were a kid, maybe there was someone in class about to hand a little note to make their way through the class, to circulate through the class, and so they're passing it over, and you don't notice, they're like, psst, 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 like, right, trying to get just a little bit of your attention. Well, to start this year, I kind of just want to get your attention if I could. I just want to get your focus and get your attention and, uh, and try to, if I could, share with you a little bit of a secret of how to have the type of year that God is calling you and I to. Psst. I think that, that the action that God is calling us into is perhaps a little more urgent than, uh, than you and I have been led to believe or we have concluded. There is an urgency to what God is calling us to because life is precious. You might not notice it in your first couple of years or your first couple of decades, but as the years begin to pile on, you're like, oh, so that one's just gone now. That one's just not not there anymore. Okay, okay. There are people, you know, who are graduated university who don't know what Y2K is. Okay, okay. Got to wrap my mind around that one. That's a little crazy for me. But uh, these years are, are passing by. Moments matter. They don't just matter to us in our nostalgia. They don't just matter to us in that pressure of trying to you know, make a special memory. Moments matter to the Lord. I love, as I, I start every year, it's been my tradition over the last uh, handful of years to read through the Bible rapidly at the beginning of the year. 
like really rapidly. I start the year with kind of like hooking my heart up to a fire hose of God's word and just blasting it. So in the first 10 days of the year, I'll read through the entire Bible. This morning before church, I'm I'm partway through Leviticus, okay? So I I, I read Genesis and Exodus and part of Leviticus this morning already. And uh, before I'm I'm done tonight, my first, my stretch goal for today, I'm going to try to read the whole Pentateuch today. Finish Deuteronomy before I go to bed tonight. I want to start with some action. I want to remember what God's voice sounds like. Over the course of busyness, sometimes I just forget what he sounds like. I just forget what he's talking about. I get busy thinking about other things that have fought for my attention and fought for my urgency and tried to convince me that they matter the most. And it's like God is going, hey, psst, psst, psst. I just want to remind you what I sound like. As I read through the Bible, you know, the other day I, I was kind of getting, my, uh, getting my, my prep in, like getting some quick reps in. I'm like, man, I'm going to read the book of Mark real quick. Book of Mark specifically because it's so rapid. You get into the book of Mark, man, Mark doesn't take any time. Matthew, he takes some time. Matthew's like, allow me to establish my case. There was once upon a time a guy named Adam. Adam had a son. Now let me tell you about that son. He he just rattles on a long genealogy. He's like, I would start at the beginning, but that wouldn't be early enough. So let's go further back. And you've, you've got Luke. Luke is like, man, it's just hard to just talk right about Jesus. We should talk about his mom and his family, where he came from, you know. And then John, John goes way back. John says, in the beginning. <laughs> right? He's like, I got to go way back to the beginning was the Word. Like before there was time, space, or matter, there was the Word. And the Word was with God. Mark, not so much. Mark's like, so, Jesus showed up got baptized, started preaching, and now I'm telling you, lepers were getting healed, dead people were getting up out of their grave, and you think that's great? He also multiplied food. After he did that, he walked on water. After he did that, man, he got in a fight with some Pharisees. He's just action-oriented. What I love about Mark's perspective of Jesus is you read the book of Mark, Jesus calls his shot, and then goes after it. Like, like he makes it known what he's about to do, and then he just does it. His opening words, his opening sermon, repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is near, and the time has come. He's like, right here, right now, I want to change your whole eternity. Repent, believe. And then he goes on immediately to show how approachable he is. Immediately, in the here and in the now. He goes on to heal some sick people. He goes on to restore the mobility of, a, of a, a lame person. He goes on to give sight to a blind person. He's like, are you guys getting this? This is what I was talking about. You have a hard time with the belief piece? Let me give you a reason to believe. And he immediately puts action to the, to the shot that he's calling. I love that. Read a couple chapters later. Jesus is talking to some Pharisees, and they're like, wow, we can't help but notice that your disciples don't seem to wash their hands the way we wash our hands. Also can't help but notice, I don't see you fasting. We fast, why don't you fast? Also can't help but notice, and Jesus is like, hey guys, can I just stop you there? You have misunderstood the purpose of God from the very beginning, and he says this, he makes this statement, 
man was not created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for man. In other words, God has, has put practices and rhythms to establish to bring us to health. He's not forcing us to jump through hoops to try to prove ourselves to him. And then he goes on after calling his shot to show exactly what he means. It would seem that the very next Sabbath day, he showed up in church and he goes, so guys, what do you think? Should I heal this person or not? These guys say that I should honor the Sabbath. They don't understand the heart of God. Don't you think healing would be in the heart of God? And they're all like, uh, uh, oh, oh man, that wasn't just theoretical. You weren't just trying to like theoretically humble us. You actually mean the things that you say. What I love about this is it reminds me in the making of goals, I don't just throw out things that I think would be cool. I have to be willing to put in some work. I can't just say, guys, I declare it that 2023 is a year where I will be healthy. It's going to happen. I actually have to put some action to that goal. If not, it's not faith. It's only fantasy. I can't say, this is going to be my year of relational stability. Bring it to me. i got to put in that work if I want to see that result. I can't say, this is going to be a year of blessing, prosperity, and riches. Because I say so. There's some work to be involved, and I can't say this is going to be a year where I will grow spiritually if I'm not willing to put the work in to actually grow spiritually. I can't say I'm going to become more filled with faith this year unless I actually put it into action. Are you with me today? See, that's what I love about Mark. Mark's like, hey, Jesus was a man of faith and action. Mark, it kind of reminds me of the book of James where it says that faith without action is dead. In other words, faith without action was not faith. I, I get around some people sometimes like, man, they have so much faith. And then you observe for a while, you're like, oh no, they just live in a fantasy. That's not faith. That's not faith. To, to look out at a, a day full of rain and say, I won't bring an umbrella because I declare it is dry. That's not faith, that's just fantasy. You're speaking to something that you have no, no say in and you have no control over. It used to be a thing <clears throat> when I was growing up, I, I felt like I, I heard it more often than, than I would have liked to. It's like the beginning of the year, someone would come up with a sharp little quip, and it always rhymed about what the year would be, you know? And we're going to thrive in 1995. That's the word of the Lord, you know, this is the time. And you're like, okay, well, it's a year to thrive then. I, why? Because, well, that person said we're going to thrive. What do we need to do to thrive? I don't know. I guess this is thriving. But, but man, that's not what people of faith do. People of faith, if you're going to call your shot, you've got to prepare to put some action into place. Jesus goes, the kingdom's near, guys. And then he doesn't go hide out. He draws near. Because the, 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 the Sabbath, you misunderstand it. And then he's like, now let me teach you what it's like. He's a person of action. However, as I was reading through the book of Mark, what drew my attention most specifically was Peter. Today I want to make some observations, and maybe you can follow with me on these observations about Peter. 
I think Peter, he, he, he plays the part of a, a bit of a prototype of what healthy maturation would look like. A bit of a prototype for you and I of this is what it would look like if we're going to develop more faith this year, if we're going to grow more faith-filled this year. Now let me be clear, by definition, if you look into the book of Romans chapter 10 and, uh, and verse 17, Romans 10 and 17, it says this, that faith uh, comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not just, you know, I, I managed to get myself hyped up and get in this moment where I was like, oh, 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 I'm faithful. No, no, faith is a response to the things that Jesus is saying. It's a response to the things that the word of God says. And when I put those things into action, I have faith. That make sense? It's not just positive thinking. It's not just positive affirmations. Faith is not just mantra. Faith is, I've heard God speak, and I'm going to do the things that he says. And no matter what it costs, I'm going to do the things that he says so I can see the results that he promises. I can't live in the promises of God if I'm not willing to pursue the things that God has called me to. Does that make sense to everybody? We're all on the same page. So, so let me show you. Peter, he, he is a, a great prototype of growing in faith. In Mark chapter 1, again, Mark chapter 1 covers a lot. He's already like, you know, been baptized and had his first sermon. And then we see Mark chapter 1 in verse 16. It says this, Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets, and they followed him. Now, this is an incredible act of faith. It's an incredible act of faith because it was something that Jesus said. It's something he asked of them. Simon, who would later be called Peter, his little brother Andrew, are doing their job. They're doing the thing they're supposed to do, and then Jesus shows up and says, Hey guys, stop what you're doing and follow me. And guess what Peter does? He stops what he's doing, and he follows Jesus. This is an incredible act of faith, not because of just the sacrifice that was involved, not just because of the urgency that he had, but because it was the response to something that was being said to him by God. Does that make sense? We can be really sincere and really urgent about things that God doesn't care about, and that doesn't mean we're people of faith, right? Like this year, I am going to be at so much better a candy crush. It's my goal. It's urgent. I'm going to put this first. You know, I'm surrendered to this goal. You, you can be a person of focus without being a person of faith. You can focus on things that seem spiritual and still not be a person who's growing in their faith. Just by simply saying, you know what? I'm going to prove to the people in this church that I really mean it. Cool. Awesome. Good for you. Great focus. But faith is response to what God is asking us to do. So God says to Peter, follow me. Peter's like, done. Wow. He shows a real sincerity of heart, doesn't he? He shows the beginning 
of what we will see is some incredible spiritual confidence. As your pastor, here's some things I'm praying over our church this year. I'm praying that we would have sincere hearts. That when God speaks, there would just be a sincerity in our heart. A a, a purity to that desire to say, I just want to do what God asked me to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Man, that sincerity is attractive. Peter doesn't go, well, just real quick, could you explain to me what that looks like? Fishing for people sounds gross. Just going to be honest. Like, are we catfishing people? What are we doing here? I don't, it sounds creepy. Because I throw nets into the water and then fish come in and then we bonk them on the head and I will send you to fish for people. I don't know if that's legal. But he shows the sincerity of heart. Jesus speaks, he's like, I'm in. And and it is the beginning of a confidence builder. Because that day, you'll notice this, there's how, how sincere Peter was. He didn't just follow Jesus, but that day, the Bible says in the book of Mark, that he invited Jesus over to his house. He brought Jesus right into the center of his life, and at his house, his mother-in-law was there. I don't know who else was there. I don't know what other extended family there, but we know his mother-in-law was there because it says she was ill. So, so here's how sincere Peter is. He's like, okay, I roll with Jesus now. So Jesus, we're going to my place. Cool, what are we having for dinner? I don't know. Mother-in-law's there. It's probably going to be good. Then we roll in. Oh, no, she's sick, but hey, make yourself at home. He's so sincere that Jesus is in the center of his world. He doesn't isolate Jesus to a thing I'm going to do on the weekends for about an hour and a half. He doesn't just say, hey, Jesus, when I can fit it in, I'm going to you know, mastermind you in. He's like, well, if, if we're doing life together, then we're doing life together. You're coming over to my house. There's this incredible sincerity in his heart. Now, Jesus shows up, heals his mother-in-law so she can get up and make them some food. Maybe it's just a little bit oriented around some motivation. There's a bunch of young dudes. Jesus just gathered like his small youth ministry. All these teenage guys are like, yeah, we follow Jesus now. And then they roll up, and Peter's like, sorry, guys. If we could just be a bit quieter, my mother-in-law is sick. And Jesus is like, ah, don't worry about it, boys. I got this. And he heals her. And then she's like, I'm making everyone pizza rolls. I don't know. It just sounds like the way that I, I feel this thing went. But here's what I notice. A sincerity of heart and a growing confidence. Because by the book of Mark chapter 3, not only was Peter called to be one of those who were kind of around Jesus, but in Mark chapter 3, we see that he was appointed. Verse 13, it says, Jesus went up to a mountainside and he called to him the ones that he wanted. And they came to him. So Peter didn't just make a once and for all decision. I made this decision of loyalty when I was young. You said, leave my nets, so I left my nets and I'm good. I've done my big act of faith. He continued to come when Jesus called. Jesus called to those, those who he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. He lists Simon first. Oh man, look at the sincerity of Simon. He's a fisherman, and in a day he's like, yeah, I've retired. I'm gonna go out on top. I'm going to follow Jesus now. Jesus, come to my house. My mom's sick, but hey, we'll work it out. I want you in the center of my life. You are what matters to me. There's this this bold sincerity in his heart. And his confidence starts to grow. Why? Because Jesus keeps talking to him. 
tell you what, your confidence isn't going to grow in a vacuum. Your confidence will grow as you continually listen to what God is saying and put it into practice. And Peter's like, man, Jesus called me, and now like we roll together. He actually meant it. And then when Jesus goes, guys, today I'm going to appoint 12 of you to be like my inner circle. So when I call you, come. And he goes off to pray, and then he comes back. He's like, hey, Simon. And Simon's like, yup, I'm in. He's got a sincere heart, and he's got growing spiritual confidence. Here's what I'm going to believe for as the pastor of this church, that God would ask things of us in January and February and March that would feel really difficult. That would feel like, man, i gotta, I got to really rally if I'm going to be able to do this. But that by October and November and December, we'll look back on January, February, and March and go, that was kind of cute. Remember when that felt hard? Remember when we lacked confidence and like sharing our testimony with a coworker was like, oh, I don't know if I can. And then here I am. How am I leading something? How did that happen? Well, as we continue to follow God in the things he calls us to, we grow in, in sincerity of heart and we grow in spiritual confidence. So much so. And by the time we get to uh, Mark chapter 5, check this out. In Mark chapter 5, uh, three incredible miracles take place. In one, Jesus goes head to head with a demonized person and sets them free. In the next, he is approached by a woman who has been sick for 12 years. And without even knowing what was happening, she reached out and touched him. And his power was so overwhelming that that healed her. And then they get to the house of a man whose daughter has is, is died. She's 12 years old and she's died. And Jesus comes to the crowd of people who are mourning. He goes, hey, everyone, you need to leave. She's not dead. She's only asleep. And they start laughing. He's like, get out of here. And then he says, I, I, I'm just going to ask a couple of you to come near. Um, let's have the mom and dad, because you guys should see this. It's your daughter. And then uh, Peter, James, John. Yeah, you three come with me. And Peter comes with him. And he's up front, front row witness of a miracle of life where Jesus reaches down to this little girl and says to her, Talithia kum, which means little girl, get up. And she gets up. She's no longer dead. She's alive. Peter's right there. Like, like weeks or months before, I don't know how much time had passed. He was fishing. Imagine him that day. He's like, John, James, remember when we were fishermen? Remember how much it stunk? Like, like, remember those days we would just toil over our nets and we're like pulling in fish? We just saw a dead person get up. Like, yes, his confidence is growing. Absolutely, we see he's maintained the sincerity of heart, so much so. That, that, that by the next chapter, Mark chapter 6, Jesus is able to send his disciples out. Look what it says, verse 7. Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two, and he gave them an authority over impure spirits. If you continue to read, you'll see this. They went out in pairs, and the things that Jesus promised they would do, they did. So now, Peter is not just being called to come near. He's not just being appointed as one of the dudes. 
He's not just witnessing miracles. He's actually taking part in miracles. Why? Because he's maintained a sincere heart. Because he's kept a, a, a spiritual confidence that is growing. On that day one, if Jesus had said, hey, you, fishermen, go cast out a demon, they'd be like, ah, that's not what we do. We got trout, though. If you want some trout, they're in season. What are you talking about? But through a series of steps, hey, come, let's hang out. Hey, I want to like make this thing official. Let's be in relationship together. I want to spend some time with you. Hey, come see all the stuff that I do. Amongst the things, I raise dead people. And then, hey, I'm going to send you out to have some authority. And it's working, guys. It's unbelievable. What if this is like a prototype of what a life of faith looks like for you and I? First, we say yes to following Jesus. And then we draw near as he calls us close. And we've got our eyes wide open and our hearts soft and our ears attentive. We want to learn from him and then encourage as he sends us out. We do the things that he calls us to do. And he's got a sincere heart. How does he ever have a growing confidence? So much so that by Mark chapter 8, Jesus poses a question. Now, if we were to dig through the synoptic gospels, you would see amongst the other things that happened before then, Peter already walked on water. Like this guy, it's been an incredible journey of faith. He used to fish in the water, and now he's in a storm that has them terrified. He knows what a terrifying storm would look like. He's a fisherman. And when Jesus speaks, come, he's like, that's all I needed to hear. Like this guy's faith has been developing like crazy. Like incredible sincere heart. A growing confidence. He was now the water walker. Like he was the guy who walked on top. Crazy things are happening. And then Jesus asks him this question. Verse 27, Jesus and his disciples went to a village in Caesarea Philippi. On the way there, he asked them, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you're the Messiah. Now Mark is just so excited about the next thing that happens. He's like, so that was awesome. And then he just carries on. The other gospels say that Jesus stopped and he said, hey Simon, what you've heard did not come from man, but from God. And I'm no longer going to call you Simon. Now I'm going to call you Peter. Simon means pebble. Peter means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Talk about a boost to your spiritual confidence. When God says you didn't just obey the physical voice box of Jesus saying, follow me. You actually heard that those auditory you know, sound waves come and so you followed. You didn't just obey when I said go out and, and cast out your spirits, but you've actually learned how to hear the voice of the Father now. You've developed such a soft heart to the things that I'm saying that you actually know what, what God the Father sounds like, and he's revealed to you that, yeah, I am the Messiah. For like hundreds of years, people have been anticipating my birth, and I'm him. Come on, turn to the person beside you and say, I'm him. Jesus is essentially going, yeah, I'm him. Because you heard from God. Now at this point, Peter's heart of sincerity is on 10. 
At this point, his spiritual confidence must be on 11. So much so that as Jesus continues, now that you know I'm the Messiah, let me tell you what the future holds. Now that you know I'm the one, that I'm him, psst, let me tell you what my future holds. Guys, bring it in. Bring it in. Psst, psst. I'm going to tell you what my future holds. He says this. He began to teach them that the Son of Man would suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests, the teachers of the law, that he must be killed, and after three days he must rise again. He spoke this plainly with them. So now that you know who I am, psst, let me tell you what you can expect. Okay, so here's what we're going to do, all right? It's like a huddle. They're in a huddle. Here's the play. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to make our way to Jerusalem, all right? When we get there, Andrew, Bartholomew, you're going you're gonna to go find a place for us to eat the Passover, okay? It'll be the last meal I eat. The last meal. Yeah, great question, Matthew. The last meal, because I'm going to get murdered, okay? Now, it's going to be brutal. It'll be on a cross, but don't worry. Oh, come on, Thomas. You don't think I can, you don't think I can tell you that I'm going to be killed? You're just always such a doubter. I'm definitely going to be killed. James and John, you're going to want to beat someone up. Don't beat them up. It's okay. It's my plan because three days later I'll rise again remember the girl who was dead and I spoke as you I can do that for me too it's going to be crazy it changes all of human history because from that point forward death's not scary to us anymore guys from that point forward the devil's got nothing I'm going to dominate the devil on his home turf I'm going to go on the road and win the championship it's awesome it's going to be amazing and then Peter sincere heart spiritually confident. He's like, hey, Jesus, hey, come here. Just real quick. Come here. Come here. It says this, Peter took Jesus aside (laughs) and he began to rebuke him. Oops. (sighs) He pulls you aside. He's like, dude, you can't say that. You can't do that, man. Andrew's going to get nightmares. This is my little bro. You can't talk about dying. What are you talking about? Bro, you're the Messiah. Now, in, in, in that thinking, the Messiah was not just a political figure. The Messiah was a superhero. A, a superhero. The legends had been told and retold and retold. The thought was actually that when the Messiah reveals himself, it would be like everyone who's ever oppressed us will be dropped down and we'll all be exalted. When, when, When Peter steps out on a limb in his spiritual confidence and his sincere heart and he steps out on a limb to say, you're the Messiah. And then Jesus goes, yeah, I'm him. <laughs> Inside, they're all like, oh, guys, oh, oh, when we left that fishing boat, we thought it was a sacrifice, but it's not. We're all getting thrones. We're all getting castles. We're, we're, we're like part of the Avengers. The, he's the Messiah. We're the Messiah's crew. They're all like working out little handshakes. They're dapping each other up. They're so excited. And then Jesus goes, guys, psst, 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 psst. guess what? I'm going to get murdered. I'm going to suffer so many things 
And he talks plainly. There's no parable here. He's not like, there once upon a time was a sheep. <laughs> you know, that's how Jesus tended to talk to people who weren't close to him. But it says here, his disciples, he just talked plainly. I don't know about you. I want Jesus to feel free to talk to me plainly. I want Jesus to not have to sugarcoat what he's speaking into my life. I don't want Jesus to have to, you know, give me the little confidence sandwich. You are amazing. Little thing to work on, but seriously, you're awesome. I just want Jesus to speak plainly to me. And so they're, they're in the huddle. They're getting that type of plain conversation. And Peter's like, hey, Jesus, come on. <laughs> you know, as someone who hears from the Lord, I just want to give you some advice. Nah, you're not going to die. And you should probably stop talking like that because we're all excited and we just are trying to have a party and you're wrecking the vibes. And Jesus says to him this. Peter turns back. He looks at all his disciples. <laughs> and then he rebukes Peter. I love this. Peter rebukes Jesus privately. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's not the way this relationship works, all right? You can't pull me aside. You can't bro me. I'm still the teacher, all right? And so he's like, everyone, bring it in. So Peter here thinks I shouldn't talk like this. But Peter... Surprise, just heard from Satan. He goes, Peter, you're going to have to stop now. You've lost your talking privileges. Get behind me, Satan. Now, guys, let me tell you a little more. I'm legit going to die. Don't listen to Peter. Here's what it tells me, and it's like this crazy warning. You can have a sincere heart, and you can have growing spiritual confidence but if you're not listening to the right things, if your mind isn't set on the right things, sincerity and confidence don't cut it. Sincerity and confidence do not equal faith. Faith comes from hearing, not just anything, but the word of God. He says to this, get behind me, Satan. You do not have your mind in the things that concern God, but merely human concerns. It's possible to have a sincere heart and growing confidence, but if your heart is not concerned with the things that concern God, then you're just as likely to be listening to a lie. Let me wrap this up real quick. You see, in one conversation prior in Mark chapter 8 in verse 15, Mark chapter 8 in verse 15, Jesus said this, be careful Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. And they're like, you're talking about bread? You called fishermen, not bakers. You're going to have to catch us up. Jesus was speaking about the mentality, the thought processes of the Pharisees and Herod. He goes, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Now, what do we know about yeast? A little bit of yeast works through the whole batch. A little bit of yeast in, a, in a, a batch of bread works its way through the whole. Give it time, and that little bit works its way through everything. Here's what we also know about yeast. At that time, yeast didn't come out of a jar. Yeast came from, from a starter. 
Yeast came from taking a little bit of the last loaf of bread you made, carrying it forward, holding it until the next time came that you wanted to make bread, and then you took a little bit of what, you know, with, the, with all the bacterias that are in that, and you work its way through, and it was able to bring life to this new baked bread. And Jesus said in the same way, the mentality of the Pharisees, the mentality of Herod, if you're not careful, will carry over into you and it'll infect everything in your life. See, Peter, even with warning, fell right into this. Jesus said, I want to watch out. Don't think the way the Pharisees think. And then Peter, with his sincere heart and his growing confidence, thinks like the Pharisees think. Because the Pharisees were the one who perpetuated the thought that the Messiah was a superhero and the Messiah would never have to suffer. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That right there, though, that's old thinking. That's an old way of thinking. It was never God's way of thinking. So you just need to just sit, get behind me for a second, Satan. You're thinking about the wrong things. Church, we could probably put some things into practice to become more sincere. We could probably expose ourselves to more needs for empathy and it would bring a little softness to our heart. We could certainly do some things that would grow our confidence. Every time you, you see a discipline through, your confidence grows. But what we need more than anything this year is to make this determination. I will not bring forward anything from last year into this year that's going to work its way through. I'm not going to bring any negative thinking, the yeast of the Pharisees. I'm not going to bring any godless thinking, negativity. You know, I'm not going to bring the curses from the past into the present and let it work its way through this or what was old is going to work its way into the new. I'm not going to bring a little bit of immorality from the past, but I'm getting so sincere and so confident. But if you're not thinking about the things of God, it works its way right through and you end up getting tripped up and tricked. We gotta make a determination. What am I gonna set my mind on? What am I gonna set my heart on? And so Jesus says this. He said, then he called to his disciples and everyone who is in the crowd, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? If anyone wants to be his disciple, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. You know what I love about this is, is that word whoever. Whoever wants to be my disciple. There's now a pathway for all of us to be discipled. There's a pathway for all of us to have a, a close personal relationship just like Peter did. Peter's pathway was that Jesus called him physically. Hey, you with the net. Let's go. Peter's story was Jesus saying, you used to be Simon, but now you're Peter. There's a confidence. I'm going to build my church on you. What's our response to his call? Jesus goes, now anyone, anyone, if you want to be my disciple, here's what it looks like. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. 
And some of us are reaching deeper, like, oh, yeah, I'm wearing a cross. You know, no way, a cross, I got one tattooed. It's become this beautiful symbol of redemption and the story of Christianity. It's a story of victory. But in the time Jesus was saying this, it was equivalent to saying, if anyone wants to come after me, they got to sit on the electric chair. You just got to die to yourself. You got to stop trying to bring your own motive and agenda in. And then, you know, here, here's Peter going like, we're all going to be rich. And Jesus goes, no, we're actually going to die. He's like, don't say that. And Jesus goes, guys, we all have to die to ourselves. Like, like if we want to follow the way of Jesus, it's dying to self. It's saying, I, all of that stuff doesn't matter. I just want Jesus. So myself will cause me to deviate, so I'm just going to deny that. And in my comfort, I just want ease, but i got to actually kill that part in me so I can just follow Jesus. And wherever he leads, I will follow. I'm praying and believing that God would grow a sincerity in our heart. That we'd build up our spiritual confidence. But more than anything, I want him to teach us how to hear. Guys, I'm speaking to you. I want him to teach us to hear his voice. So where he leads us, we can follow. Would you close your eyes across the room? Jesus, right now, I'm praying for every person in this room. Grateful and thanking you for the way that you love us. Grateful and honoring you, praising you for the way that you have called us. So excited and full of anticipation for what you have in store for the year that is to come. We're grateful, Lord. We love you. We're thankful for the things that you're calling us into. I ask right now, by the power of your name, that you would prepare our hearts for more sincerity. Oh God, I pray that confidence would be built not just in one fell swoop, but in us obeying small steps of obedience until what seemed impossible now seems like it's in our repertoire. For the things that seemed out of reach, they all of a sudden would seem nearer than they've ever been before. But more than anything, God, would you attune our ears to hear the things that you're saying? Would you give us ears to hear what you're speaking? A heart and a hunger for your word. A focus on the things of God. That as we hear what you're speaking in a general sense, we would learn what you're speaking specifically knowing full well that it requires us to deny ourselves and to take up our cross we want to follow you jesus now with no one looking around eyes closed heads bowed if you're here and you don't have a relationship with jesus he's never he's never forgiven your sins because you've simply never asked him to do so that is the amazing promise of the gospel that if anyone would ask the lord for help they would be saved I'm going to pray a simple prayer right now. And uh, if this is your desire, you want to live in relationship with Jesus, you can pray this prayer with me. God hears you right where you are. You're saved. You're forgiven. You're set free. You're on a new path. You've been brought from death into life. If you've never prayed a prayer like this, pray it with me. Or maybe you want to say, you know, i got to start the year off better than I ended the last one off. I have become unaligned with my relationship with God. It's not central to my mind at all, and I want to recommit my life to Jesus. No turning back. If that's you, you can pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, today I hear you calling my, vo- my name, and I'm responding by saying that you're Lord of my life. 
Please forgive me of my sin. Thank you for the grace and love that you have for me. I receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. If you prayed a prayer like that, we'd love to encourage you. Please stop by the Connect table after and say, I prayed that prayer. We want to help you in your next steps. But for everyone, okay, I can't just, you can look up, you can unbow your head. Check this out. I can't just say, let's get a little more confident without giving some practical. So, confidence grows by small steps of obedience. And if it's faith-filled confidence, it grows by small steps of obedience in accordance with what God is saying, not just a good intention. So in a moment, I'm going to give you the, the smallest step of obedience you might have this entire year, okay? In a moment, I'm just going to ask you the question, if you want to follow Jesus, if it's your desire to deny yourself and follow Jesus, would you stand and sing this course with us? You're like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, of course. That's how easy it is to grow in confidence. You just make small little steps. You know, the Bible says it is fitting for the righteous to worship him. So we're going to end this message. We're going to start this year with the most simple, fitting little step of obedience. If it's your desire, if it's your heart, to deny yourself and instead of doing the things you want just say God I want to follow you then why don't you stand up to your feet and let's sing this course together come on let's make this the anthem of our heart that we will build our life that we're building our life brick by brick step by step day by day not on our intentions not on our fantasies but on faith in accordance with what he is saying. Come on, church, if this is your heart, let's sing it out together. I will build my life. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.